The reading is from Ephesians, in the Church Bible, it's page 1177, and I'm going to read from verse 1 to verse 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. It's the word of the God. Let's pray for a moment. Lord, I pray you'll take my words of weakness and use them powerfully for your purposes and your kingdom. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So one of our three main focuses, if you come to the church regularly, you'll know, um, is to grow the next generation. Grow the next generation. And that's what we're focusing on. We've got an away day coming up soon. And we'll be, be looking at one, another of those three focuses then. And if you, if you don't quite know who I am, I'm Andrew. I'm on the Leaders and Preachers team here. And I'm a parent. And I'm also now, very excitingly, I'm very excited. I hope you are. I'm a grandparent as well. Yeah, nine months, the end of this month. So I'm very, very excited about that. And also I've taught children and young people who have severe learning difficulties, profound and multiple learning difficulties, and autism for about 37 years, and I've just retired from that. So I've thought about this subject of children, bringing up children, helping children, for a long time, both personally and professionally. And that's what we're mainly going to look at tonight. And I believe all of us sitting here, you might be switching off, you might be saying, well, I haven't got any kids, or, you know, you might think this doesn't really apply to you, but we all, we all can play a part in bringing up the children in this church because we all come from families, we all have parents, we might have slightly very different situations, but we've all experienced parents or parenting, that may have been good, it may have been not so good for us, I understand that, and, but we all also have been children and there are children in this church family too who we can help so that we can grow the next generation. So as we as Christians are all part of God's family and the idea is that we work for God's purposes in trying to bring God's will on earth, done on earth as it is in heaven as we pray in the Lord's Prayer. And the children in that family of God here at St. John's are part of that family and they're involved in that same task and we want to encourage them to work for the kingdom of God. So this section of Paul's letter to the churches in Asia Minor has an overarching heading which is in the previous chapter Uh, and I think it's important to think about that while we look at these, we've been looking at these three sections over a period of weeks and that overarching thing that kind of is in his mind, I think, as he says all these things, is submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another. That's how we're meant to be as family. He's emphasizing the way Christians, in this radical new way of living, following Jesus, working for his kingdom, should submit to one another, having mutual responsibilities within the social structures of the day. So in looking at children and parents tonight, 
It's important to remember mutual submission is the order of the day with joint responsibilities. So Paul doesn't just say, children, obey your parents, full stop, end. He doesn't say that. And then move on to slaves and masters, which is the next section. No, he talks of the responsibility of fathers, of parents also. So there are mutual responsibilities involved for all in a relationship. So let's look at that first. First, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now that's not a particularly unusual instruction for children to obey their parents both then and now. Children had to do it anyway. It was expected in the culture of Jesus' day. It may seem a bit more radical today when children are given a lot more freedom in their upbringing and are valued a lot more than they were in the first century of Jesus' time and Paul's time. I mean, sometimes I felt like this. You do wonder who's in charge in the family, the parents or the children. I'm sure all parents must have felt like that on occasions. Who's running this show? So if you're a young person here tonight, uh, the Bible encourages you to obey your parents, to submit to them even when you don't want to, when you don't feel like doing it. And it's clear that children do need clear behavioural and moral boundaries following the training and instruction of the Lord. And the general rule is them to obey their parents. But they should not be treated as unimportant and of little value as they were in the first century. And the writer of this proverb reminds us, a wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a mocker does not respond to rebukes. So children clearly do need instruction and rebuking from their parents. But actually, we all do, really, don't we? We've, in a sense, been rebuked when we confess, you know, God saying to us, hang on, you don't get everything right. We all need that. But there are questions raised by this. What if... The parent asks the child to do something that's clearly wrong in God's eyes. If if the parent wants the child to steal or lie or whatever, then the general command to obey your parents might well be overruled by Peter's statement to the Jewish rulers in the Sanhedrin, who said, right, lads, you're not to talk about Jesus. And then Peter and the other apostles replied, as you probably remember, we must obey God rather than human beings. So the proviso would be for children too, obey your parents, honour your parents, but if they ask you to do something against God's kingdom way of doing things, then your duty is to obey God. I hope that none of us here have had that experience or will have that experience uh, in the future. But I think that that's just a proviso it's worth thinking about. And there's also a promise in the law given to Moses about honouring your father and mother from Deuteronomy, which Paul quotes here. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. So all of us who have been children of parents should honour their father and mother. And I wonder also if the obligation to obey your parents is is a bit reduced or is not so applicable. Once one's left home, maybe you've got married, you just moved away, whatever, living independently. Then it's more an honouring and respecting of your parents. Honouring and respecting as they get older and support for them if needed. And I'm very, very aware of this verse. This verse keeps coming back to me, honour your father and mother. As I've got older and my parents have got older... 
I'm amazed to say my dad's 89 now. Quite incredible. My mum's 85. And now I, I honor and, try and honor and respect them and I try and visit them. They've moved away as often as I can. And, and you know, I'm not the perfect son, but I, I try and do this. And I think that's something uh, with people with older parents, you know, should be doing. Now, that, you might say, well, all that's a bit straightforward, you know. But now we come to the more radical element of Paul's teaching, which reflects Jesus' view of children and was extremely countercultural in the first century. He says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Bringing them up in the training and instruction of the Lord is not the, uh, not the radical bit, in a sense. The bit about not exasperating your children, I think, is. And I think it's more radical because it reflects this overarching principle of mutual submission and responsibilities in relationships, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So when Paul says, fathers, parents, don't exasperate your children, he's drawing on the value placed on children by Jesus, which very much went against the culture of the day. Because Jesus realized the value of children in an age where children were considered to have virtually no rights, no particular rights at all. Jesus' time was very unlike our own, in the sense that now we've got very good safeguarding practices and so on, compared with the first century, uh, as we should have. And we do think children should be protected and they're important. But in Greece and Rome of the first century, you know, if, they, if the children was unwanted, they often used to just leave them on the side of the road to die. I mean, it was pretty brutal. So it's remarkable that when children were often not given any importance or respect, Jesus showed such great respect, love, and concern for them. You know what I'm going to say, the little children and Jesus. Then the the people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them, rebuked them. And that would have been the normal reaction, I think. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And there are many other Bible references to Jesus valuing those considered worthless in society at the time, and particularly valuing children. And that, as I said, is very countercultural of Jesus. His attitude of giving value to children went against many, many of the attitudes of today, as demonstrated by his disciples there. So when Paul writes, bring up children up in the training and instruction of the Lord, he reflects the importance of children, the next generation. But he also realizes the way we do that may exasperate rather than be effective. And you may be sitting there thinking, what does exasperate mean? And when I wrote this, that's what I thought too, so I looked it up. And it means to provoke someone to anger which, of course, makes the situation worse rather than better and doesn't achieve the desired outcome of bringing up children to follow Jesus in his ways. Don't provoke your children to anger. Don't exasperate them. Now, at school, I shared this this morning, at school, I was incredibly good at exasperating the teachers. And I could get them really angry. And my aim was to get thrown out of the lesson, particularly in Latin, and also history, I think. And I love history now. I don't really go for Latin so much, but history, I love it. But that's what I did at school. So I know how to exasperate people. Uh, and and I, as, I, as, I, as I've actually become a teacher, which is completely bizarre, I became a teacher, 
I, I tried to take this on board. Don't exasperate your own children or the children in school. Now, I watched a TV program a while ago in which a new vicar tried to grow a small church. He came from America. I don't know if you remember this. Does anyone remember this? It was a documentary. And it had a small elderly congregation. The church was really waning, and they wanted to see if they could get someone in to sort it out. And what what was great was he managed to engage with some young people, and they came to church for the first time, and they sat right at the front, right? So they might have sat here in front of Richard and Joanna. I always pick on Richard and Joanna. They might have sat here uh, when they came into church. It's great, isn't it? And they had baseball caps on, and the first thing the elderly people did, they sat there, they had their baseball... Take that cap off. They did that. It's all on camera. I saw it. They flicked their hats off. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So I hope we don't effectively ever knock children and young people's caps off and exasperate them when new people come to St. John's. And I hope as parents we don't do that either. Or maybe with our extended family we might have nieces or nephews or cousins or whatever. Don't knock their caps off. Don't knock their caps off. Don't exasperate them. And another thing we can do to exasperate children is to continually focus on the negative and not the positive. Now, it's obviously important to tell a child not to do something sometimes. You know, if they're running into the road, you tell them to stop. You know, it's fairly obvious. Uh, uh, But generally, it's better to tell them what you want them to do rather than what you don't want them to do. Tell them what you want them to do. Now, have I mentioned my granddaughter... I just want to mention her again, you know, because I haven't talked about her for a little while. And with my granddaughter, she's... Have I mentioned she's nearly nine months old? Oh, okay. Anyway, she enjoys pulling up grass, and the worry is she's going to put it in her mouth, and she's going to choke, particularly when we're looking after her, you see. So what do I do? Do I tell her off and firmly say, don't touch the grass, or recognising she's only exploring and learning and improving hand strength and fine motor skills, maybe I could do another approach. Do I say, I hold my hand out to her as she's pulled the grass and say, thank you. And then we play a little game and she gives me the grass and it's all wonderful and the grass doesn't go in her mouth. It's wonderful. Now, there's two ways I can do that, isn't there? I could exasperate her. If I tell her sternly, she'll probably just do it, stick it in her mouth, we'll have a tussle and she'll think, oh, this is good fun, I'll do it again now. So I'm exasperating her, and also she's not actually learning what I want her to do, which is not put it in her mouth, give it to me, we play a little game and have fun. So I would have taught her to put grass in her mouth if I wasn't careful. So I've got to be careful, don't exasperate your children. Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now another example, and I thought probably a more modern way of looking at this is mobile phones, right? But the old story, we used to use this in training at school, is dad watching the football on telly, right? But it could equally be mum on her mobile phone or dad on their mobile phone, all right? And there's maybe a two-year-old playing with their toys. And this young two-year-old then develops their play a bit and they bash the toys together. It's great. It's great fun. It makes a noise. It's really exciting, Dad is then distracted from the football 
And he tells the child to be quiet very sternly. The child is a bit shocked. They stop bashing the toys together. Ah, dad's noticed me. But in a few moments, they return to that fun activity once more. The dad, meanwhile, is watching the football. Be quiet! And on it goes, like this. So what's happened is that the child has been taught by dad to bash the toys together really loudly, and that's a good way of getting his attention. And maybe that's not the best thing that dad wanted to teach the child. Maybe dad should actually not exasperate their child, but they should actually talk with them and interact with them. And the same applies to mobile phones, of course. So fathers, do not exasperate your children. Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So how should we as parents and as part of the church family, whether we're parents or not, bring up children? Now, I've only got time to mention a couple of quick things tonight. And I've looked at some books. Um, There's a guy called Rob Parsons, who you may or may not know. He set up the charity Care for the Family. And he's written some great books on this subject. And one of them's got a brilliant title, Getting Your Kids Through Church Without Them Ending Up Hating God. I think that's a very good title, nice and honest right? And one of his tips really reinforces this point I made earlier, focus on the positive as far as possible. So he points out the Pharisees often in Jesus' time pointed out the negative and they picked people up for doing things wrong, whereas he's saying turn that round and look at the positive. Even if maybe a teenager it could be, has not been getting everything right, you know, in their life, in in their behavior in church, whatever, try and find something good and praise them for that. Something good they've done or something good in their character. Praise them for that. Focus on the positive in their character. Remember Paul's words. Brothers and sisters, he says in Philippians, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So when we see a child in church, we don't think, oh dear, they're making a noise, blah, blah, blah. We think, what are they doing that's good? Oh, how wonderful they're playing. And all Try and switch your mind around a bit, maybe. So we should, as far as possible, as parents and as a church family, be positive people, encouraging children and people generally to do the right thing and focus on giving praise for that. And Rob Parsons also highlights another enemy of good parenting, which is, and it can be true of all of us in church too, if we're trying to support children, which is over-busyness, over-busyness, being too busy. And I think that's a major problem, particularly for Christians, because Christians have got, like everybody else, the demands of job, family, but they've also got, they want to serve God in those situations, but they quite, quite rightly want to serve God in the church or in the community. So we, we kind of want to do more than most people may do. I don't know. So therefore, we have to be able to say yes to things, but also we have to be able to say no to things as well. And I think that's really, really important because we do not want a child to feel of little value as they never see their parents, as their parents are always so busy. You know, I think over the years, my daughter, I think my daughter said it recently in one occasion, you know, we're all so busy with stuff and you feel, no, it's not right. It's not right. I've got to make time for my children. So we've got to be able to say yes as well as saying no. And think of Jesus. There's a quick example. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, there's a crowd there, he withdrew again to a mountain by himself. So Jesus didn't do what the people wanted. 
he said no by his actions and he went and he was quiet on the mountain by himself. So we need to be able to say yes, but also say no. We must allow time for our children. And if we rush around after the service and ignore all the children, maybe we're kind of doing that as well. Now, another book I read is by someone called Rachel Turner, Parenting Children for a Life of Purpose. And she points out how parents model by their behavior how to live a Christian life, as well as talking about faith in Jesus too. A friend of mine, he he had an upbringing where his parents went to church on Sunday, they acted a certain way on Sunday, the rest of the week, they were, from his description, they were the most horrible parents you could ever imagine. That's not what we want to be like, is it? So she, she points out this modeling, and she's saying what we have to model is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So how do we model that as parents, as a church family, with a life of prayer, Bible reading, serving God, looking out for what he's doing each day and joining him in it. How do we model that for our children? And each family is going to have to work out how they do that. Um, And there's loads of books on the subject. I've got a few more at home uh, that I haven't read. So parents can teach the children to read the Bible. They can pray. They can look for what God's doing and join him in it each day. But the parents themselves are going to need to do that as well. I think that's the point she's making. And she uses a phrase... What shall we do today, God? I'm ready. And I thought, actually, that's not a bad thing for all of us to think about. What, what shall we do today, God? I'm ready, as we meet each day. And then the final part, the very brief part of what I want to say at the end, is Jesus often used children as an example to teach adults about how to live and serve in the kingdom of God. So when the disciples, they were, wanted to be in the best position in the kingdom of God when Jesus Uh, ruled completely when things are remade at the end of time, then Jesus puts them in their place straight away. Because they wanted to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, then Jesus called a little child to him, placed the child among them, and said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And I think there, Jesus knows, children know they're not in charge. They have a lowly position. And we can learn from them in that attitude. We aren't in charge in life. God is. God is the boss, and it's our job to look at what he's doing and join him in it in every situation we face. So what are children like? Well, I thought we could learn from children. Take it a bit further. Children are playful. They learn through play. They know how to have fun. Do we have fun as a church? Do we play? They don't worry too much about tomorrow, but live in the current day, the current situation. They're generally trusting of others. They take things at face value, and they aren't cynical, which I can be very prone to. So maybe Jesus is encouraging us to enjoy life, have fun where we can. He's encouraging us not to worry about tomorrow too much, as today has enough troubles of its own. And maybe Jesus is encouraging us to be like children. He's encouraging us to trust others and trust God more and curb our cynicism. So we need to cultivate that simple trust and submission to God. That is the basis of following Jesus. That I think a young child has if they're brought up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And finally, the children, I was thinking of... uh, Jesus' entry to Jerusalem, the children enthusiastically shouted and praised Jesus when he came into Jerusalem. They were full of enthusiasm. 
So maybe we shouldn't be afraid to show that enthusiasm for God who loves us, who made us. Maybe we should be more enthusiastic telling others about how great it is to go on that daily adventure with God, joining him in the work of his kingdom. Amen. Now, there are, there are, there are some questions on your bulletin it might be worth considering. And I'll just highlight those. They're on the inside back, I think. So have a look at those. How can we better bring up our children in the training and instruction of the Lord without exasperating as parents and as church family and extended families as well? How can we better model, submit to one another our reverence of Christ to our children, to love God, love your neighbour? How can we better honour our parents? And what can we learn from children? Jesus says, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven.